I had the opportunity to visit Clark Middle School, a public school here in Athens, Georgia, a few weeks back for their reading tailgate event, an opportunity meant for students, mostly boys, to interact with members of the Athens community, discuss the importance of reading, eat some burgers, and have fun. Part of the requirement to attend was for each of these boys to identify a male role model in their lives. The school's librarian and events organizer, through tears, was proud to announce that 10 out of the 40 or 50 students in the audience all listed our guest on today's podcast. Lemuel Life LaRoche is an inspiration not only to many of the students in our community, but also to its elected leaders, his peers, and virtually anyone that has had the privilege of meeting him. On today's episode, he'll update you on his chess and community program, their upcoming service learning trip to Ethiopia, and the teaching power of chess. Thanks to all of you for listening so far. We've had a great time through eight episodes, and we have more guests coming up. If you've enjoyed the podcast, as always, we're thrilled if you rated and reviewed us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thanks, as always, to our good friend Nick Malice for providing our music, and a long overdue, very special thanks to Scott Duvall at Jawabi Films for helping launch this podcast and for engineering all of the episodes thus far. He's done an amazing job, and we couldn't have done it without him. All right, without further ado, episode eight of the Rook and Pawncast, Life Plays the Duke. All right, welcome to episode eight of the Rook and Pawncast. I am Timothy Kelly. And Justin Bray, as always. Hello, Justin. Hello, Tim. We are live here Tuesday morning at the Rook and Pawn Board Game Cafe. Mixing it up again. I know, that's, I know. Again, pulling back the curtain, we're, we're, ruining, we're ruining the illusion. So how's, how's your week been? Anything new? It's been good. It's been short. It's only Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, my, right. Really, my week starts today. Hmm. Um, I usually have Sunday and Monday off. Oh, right. So Tuesday is truly my Monday. And so uh, catching up and trying to get here on time proved tougher than usual. <laughs> so, but uh, Sunday and Monday. Sunday off. But typically, now you are uh, open on Sundays. Now we're right? open on Sundays. Creature yeah. Comforts. Which is a crazy thing. Open on Sundays, right? And uh, so I was just up there on mm-hmm. Thursday mm-hmm. at the Creature Comforts tour uh, on behalf of the Rook and Pond, teaching some games. Mm-hmm. How do you feel that went over? I think it went well. Yeah. I think uh, you were up there playing some good games. People seemed interested. I know a few people tried to take the games. Right. They just tried to walk away. <laughs> like, oh, I guess these are free. Free games. Yeah. Because this isn't a board game shop, so these must be free. <laughs> You've done these events up there, um, sort of coexist with the tour. We're just mm-hmm. over there kind of teaching some fun um, games that, you know, fit well with a Creature Comforts tour, mm-hmm. I think. They're, um, and I think it's, it's usually pretty successful, especially if you get the right kind of people that kind of come over and are willing to just put in, like, one to two minutes for me to explain, you know, how to play some mm-hmm. of those games. And that's all it really takes. Yeah. And that's what we try to pick. We try to pick games that, you know, you can learn in 30 seconds to a minute and... And then they can easily explain to their friends. Uh, yeah. And, hey, guys, come on over. And they only take, like, five minutes to play, right? So mm-hmm. those are a lot of the games we played uh, on re- recent episodes. We Fun Employed, mm-hmm. we brought up, we brought Snake Oil brought Snake up. Oil. We brought Super Fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we played with JP. One, which yeah. we played with JP back, way back. One game we haven't played on the, the podcast yet is the, what was it, America game? What do you call it? America. It's just America? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We did, right? We talked. That, that's a uh, that, spoilers. You know, uh, oh my bad. Yeah, I think we might be playing that soon. Whoops. Um, <laughs> but we brought that up, and that was actually a big hit. There was um, a, a few groups that came, kind of came over and, and played that trivia game mm-hmm. um, 
for you know pretty much the duration. So yeah, I think we'll we'll try to make that a, a more regular thing with you guys. And I think so. so. Yeah, it'd be a good time. Take a look at the schedule, or if you just pop in and see us over there, say hi. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you know what I miss at the brewery? Classic nights. Classic nights. Oh, were I know. A big hit. That was somebody else had uh, had asked about that. Mm-hmm. Classic. K-L-A-S-K, mm-hmm. um, the game that showed up on our doorstep like uh, a little baby. It did. <laughs> like, this was probably back in the fall of when the... Uh, it would have been like 20 years ago. Yeah, 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 when we had first opened. And I remember I'd been out doing something, and I believe you and, and Kyle, our manager, were here. And, and I came back, and you said, oh, Tim, thank you so much <laughs> for buying Clask. Great move, Tim. And I said, wow. I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> And it was a, and I always, I keep wanting to say they're Swedish, but they're not Swedish. They're, I think there's something else. Like they're mid Euro- middle European. They're somewhere some in the Scandinavia yeah. um, region. But it was a, a, an inventor. He created this game sort of working in his wood shop. And it's this weird little mix of like, what do we say? It's all like, air, like hockey air hockey plus like. science class. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a board that stands up, you know, it's, it's, it's a elevated board that you can just put on a table in front of you. It's, it's pretty small. Um, but it uses magnets, so you have like a little um, little game piece, a little marker on mm-hmm. top of the board, and then there's a little magnet that connects to the bottom, and you actually put your hand underneath the table, and with a little holder, you're moving the game piece around on the board in front of you, um, and then there's a small yellow ball, and you're trying to knock the ball into your opponent's goal mm-hmm. without Hitting crossing a line. Your own goal there's also well. these cool little white magnets that sit in the middle of the board, and that if two of those magnets attach to your marker, then your opponent scores a point. Mm-hmm. And it plays like in 10, well, I don't know, just, you can play it to however long you like. Depends but, on the people, yeah. Right. So it became an instant hit, so much so that I think you even developed a, a canon of songs based around <laughs> Clask. Uh, uh, yeah, we did. <laughs> I think, was it not Buck Rogers, but... It was uh, from uh, Flash. Flash. Clask, Clask. Yeah. <laughs> was was one, of the, the, one of the greatest hits, but... Um, so yeah, we would bring that up and run. We ran a couple of tournaments up at Creature Comforts uh, class tournaments, which was very fun. Again, you needed the right little crowd of people, mm-hmm. and the big the biggest thing with that is you just needed like one, like two people to sit down. Yeah, and that first and like, it was over. that first cheer when like somebody scored, and then everyone's like, "Hey, what's that? Let's, yeah, let's mosey over there." I also found out if I heckled enough people, they would eventually play me. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Well, you became widely known as sort of the, the ringer of, of class. I tried my best. You're like, oh, how do you, what's this yellow ball do? And then whack, 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 it's like five <laughs> nothing. And, and uh, so you would lure people over. And there then, were a few times where we did that, actually, yeah, specifically, I where I pretended like I'd never played and I was just a, a bystander. <laughs> I know. And so it was such a hit that for a while, for several months, there was just one table here just dedicated to class. class. Yeah. Unfortunately, over the over time and many uses, uh, pieces have gone missing, and we've tried to um, we've worked with class to get some replacement pieces, and and now it actually just recently was um, has now come out and is being sold in Target. So mm-hmm. I think um, we can never quite um, figure out how to get replacement pieces from Scandinavia or whatever. So I think the the next step is just to go ahead and, and buy buy more class, buy more class. So it, it'll come back. Um, we'll we'll have the triumph, triumphant return. Of, of Clask. This uh, day will be remembered as the one that I single-handedly <laughs> brought back Clask. Uh, oh, yeah. We'll have, to, we'll have to unveil it at a Creature Comforts tour, I yeah. think, because um, I remember Kyle even, like, made, like, some... Um, he took, like, an old wood sign and made, mm-hmm. like, this... He big, made, like, a bracket A big stuff. bracket. But it was, 
it was this like functional bracket of the tournament, but also in like this really nice rustic, charming way yeah. that fit in really well. Uh, so it was way more effort probably than needed to go into it, but people really loved it. So yeah, so we'll. I think that'll be that, maybe that'll be our next our next uh, tour. We'll go up there with Clask, and that'll um, word will spread from the mountaintops that Clask has returned. I'm into it. Okay. Yeah. So. I think we'll just get right in, I think, to... Um, it's actually, we're going to... I'm doubling up. The new game of the week also doubles as the underrated Ooh. game of the week. Okay. It is Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. This is a good game. Yes. So this game, I believe there's been versions of it out since the 80s. It had a reprint a couple of years ago in just its original version, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Is this um, a new one? And so this is a new one. So we still have the original yeah. up on the shelf, Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes, just the regular consulting detective. This is the Jack the Ripper and West End Adventures edition. Um, okay. Okay. So in Sherlock Holmes, I'm going to open the box here. It's this beautiful like library bookshelf awesome. box, yes. and it has a really glossy um, cover. Um, it has a, a rule book, which actually is quite simple. It kind of just tells you what the contents of the game um, you know, include. Um, and so once you get into it, Sherlock Holmes comes with a directory of the city of London, and it's just this alphabetical directory that lists all the names that, of um, the people that are featured in the game, and a number and um, sort of a quadrant, um, so it'll show you on the map where these people dwell or work or, um, or otherwise. And then there's the map, so it's a nice, pretty solid, well, it's not solid, it's a paper map, but <laughs> it's a nice map. Um, of the sort of the central district of London, um, Whitechapel and elsewhere. It has your northwest, your like east, sort of breaks it all into quadrants and it has the numbers. And so it also includes newspapers, fake newspapers, for uh, like a, like probably a month or two period in London. And it has, you know, it's just like a front and back sort of, about a full-size sort of newspaper it's like a size. a full-size newspaper, yeah. yeah. And it includes, you know, news, deaths, marriages, employments, apartments for rent, all different types of stuff that you would, you know, maybe would have found in an 1888 newspaper. But all this includes clues. And so what you do is there are, I believe in this game, there are probably 10 new cases. So cool. Um, and this, is, this works the same. So all this applies to the original version as well. Um, there are 10 cases that come with the game, and it's just this nice little um, glossy book. Um, the first one is the Marianne Nichols case, which this is a Jack the Ripper victim. Um, and so what you do is you start, and it's just a little story that you have to read the first like page or two. And it is Sherlock Holmes inviting you into his you know, 221B Baker Street. And he's telling you what um, is going on and then asking for your assistance in this investigation. So he gives you some names. He'll give you just a basic gist of what's going on. But it's pretty simple. Like this is the first um, for this first case. It's just one page, um, and it's probably just like what eight paragraphs or yeah, something. Yeah, not long at all. And so then Sherlock Holmes sends you out into the world of London, um, and so what you do is you got to pull sort of clues from what Sherlock told you, and then look through the newspaper that corresponds to that day, um, and then you go out and visit um, different places in London. You look mm-hmm. through the, like the directory, so like right off the bat, like in this. Yeah, I can just, without spoiling anything, I see the name, um, I think Wiggins, okay? Mm-hmm. So then you would say, all right, well, let's go see what Wiggins has to say. So you yeah. look in the directory, 
you find out where Wiggins is, you look in the map, and then in the, in the casebook, um, you'll find um, the number and the corresponding map location, and there'll be another little snippet of information. Kind of like a choose-your-own-adventure. Exactly. Yes. All right. And so you go, and it'll say, like, you arrive at the warehouse, and you look, and the man says, yada, 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 and that leads you on to the next clue, mm-hmm. to the next clue. And so the idea is you're trying to solve this mystery, whatever the mystery is um, within each case, and you're trying to do it in as few steps as possible. Yeah. Which Every is always, time you visit somewhere, it's a new step. Exactly. Yeah. And so at the end, you say, all right, I think I know who did it, or I know what happened. Um, and then you go to the reveal. Sherlock then calls you back into the office. He explains how he did it, um, or you know what the, what the answer was, because Sherlock already knows. He's just testing you. And then you have to see if you solved it in as few steps as Sherlock mm-hmm. solved it in. Yeah. Which is always the trouble of this game. The first time Carrie and I played it, my wife, um, we were just so excited to like read the story, and we wanted to see like what all the different you know <laughs> clues like led to, and what uh-huh. what all the different things were. We didn't quite understand that last part, so yeah. it'll say you'll. There's a way you can score yourself at the end by how many places you went to visit. Mm. And so we went and visited like 210 <laughs> places, and it was like your score was negative eight thousand four hundred thirty-three. Did terrible. Sherlock yeah. recommends that you score like four hundred. Yeah. yeah, but that's that's there is a little bit of a. You know, there's, it's like um, you know, a little longingness to find out more about um, what's in that little story. But the idea is you're trying to do it as quickly as possible. It is a really fun game. This is the same game that, uh, speaking of you and Carrie, Anna and I played this on like our third date. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a lot of fun, though, but we did the same thing. Uh-huh. Where we ended up going to like 35 or 40 places. Because a lot of times, you're like... We probably need to go to this place, but let's right. see where this takes us. Exactly. And sometimes it's just nothing. It's like you yep. walk into uh, an empty room and nothing is there. Yeah, Great job. <laughs> yeah, it'll say that. Like, yeah. you go to the wharf, but the office is closed. And, and the craziest part is that Sherlock, he goes off of a bunch of hunches and just kind of guesses his way through. And he's like, clearly of... this is correct. Right. And that's it. I'm like, I don't know how you assumed anything of that, but you're supposed to be like a police officer. Right. And you're trying to figure it out based on evidence <laughs> that you gather. Exactly. And like the components here, if you, you know, I know you can't see it, but um, we, we can vouch for it. Like they just look really nice, um, even though there's not like a really, like a board or anything, but everything is really well made. Um, I haven't had a chance to play through these um, yet. Uh, it just came out uh, not too long ago. We just got it in, in, in the last couple weeks. But in the original version, the cases were very well written, too. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they felt like, uh, sort of like how Sherlock would talk. Obviously, it's not, you know, Conan Doyle, but um, it's, you know, it's not bad. It's it's not um, hokey or, you know, sloppy. It's, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's pretty well written stuff. Interesting twists along the way. Obviously, there's ten cases. Some are better than others, but um, they're all very fun. The only really cool thing about this game is it is very much playable as a solitaire game. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you don't need other people, but it's fu- it's definitely fun to have more people to kind of weigh in on, you know, where you should go or what this means, but um, this is one that I always recommend people. That's an oft-asked question. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what's a good game for just one person? This. Um, this is a great game for, a great game for, for one person. It's also spawned a couple other, you know, similar, similar versions. There's a, uh, a game that came out on Kickstarter last year by an Atlanta designer, Eight Summit Games, uh, Mythos Tales, mm-hmm. which is um, you know sort of in this family of games, but in that one, you are in the sort of the, the HP Lovecraftian world of Arkham, uh, okay. and you are traveling around Arkham trying to solve these otherworldly kind of mysteries, and you know always 
like any, I think, Lovecraftian story, trying to do that while not going insane. And so uh, that's a kind of a fun spin if you are more into um, into that sort of maybe more fantastical or magical kind of universe. And Sherlock Holmes is more of a straight up sort of mystery t- story. Yeah, absolutely. And I have also noticed that uh, once if you do finish all ten cases, what I found is that you could still go back and probably do them again yeah. after like a year and you forget everything about yeah. them. <laughs> but there's also a big internet following as well, where people have made their own oh, right. cases and stuff too, and like their own newspapers and their own uh, actual cases because you can use the map over and over and over again. Yeah, right. And so people have gone and done whatever else with you know the tools given through the game. So that's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Because really, it's just all very text based. It's not. Yeah. This. Um, I could see where it lends itself to that very mm-hmm. well. Um, and, uh, yeah, because you don't really need the board or anything. You just, no, you don't you just need, need somebody with a good imagination and yeah. the right way to, to put it together. Um, so that's Sherlock Holmes, Consulting Detective. This is the Jack the Ripper and West End Adventures. Um, that's our new game of the week, and the underrated game would be the original version. There you um, go. So, yeah, if you have a spare, what? I'd say like an 48 hour. hours to <laughs> play 20, all, all 20 cases. cases. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, you can do this in an hour, Yeah, certainly. you can do this in an hour easily. Yeah. Um, I think the first time you do it, it just takes a little while to get used to, like, okay, how to lay everything out and how much of this newspaper do I have to read and, and that kind of thing. But just like just just like any game, you, the more you get familiar with it, you see how all that works, and you can you can play through them pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Great. All right, so uh, Sherlock Holmes. And I think we're going to take a quick break. Absolutely. And introduce our guest star for the episode afterwards. Absolutely. Cool. All right, we'll be back. Hey, everyone. Tim here. If you're looking for a venue for your next child's birthday party and you've grown tired of dead-eyed, oversized anthropomorphic rats, broken clavicles suffered on inflatable slides, or the prospect of 17 to 23 elementary school students rampaging through your house, then look no further than the Rook and Pond for all your birthday needs. We have food, games, soda, games, ice cream, games, and even games. Packages are $10 a child. They include reserved tables, of course, games, unlimited drinks, and any one menu item of the child's choice. Adults play for free and are then free to order from the menu as normal should a relaxing libation be necessary during the festivities. You only pay for how many children attend, and there are no advanced deposits or cancellation fees imposed. Groups can decorate and bring in their own birthday cakes as well. So if you have questions, check out our website at therookandpond.com for all the details. All right. See you soon. All right. We're back. And we are joined by uh, Lemuel LaRoche, a.k.a. most people in Athens certainly know him better as life. Yes, yes. How y'all doing this morning? Great. Thanks for joining us. Yes, yes. We're looking forward to uh, getting the games, uh, uh, getting the mind worked a little more with the games. (laughs) I know. Tuesday morning, it's it's kind of tough to get going, but um, I think we have a a game that will sort of um, get everybody jump-started. Absolutely. So we're going to jump right into the game, and then um, afterwards we're going to get into more about you and and all the um, exciting stuff that you guys have coming up with um, Chess and Community. But um, speaking of chess, the game that we're playing certainly is inspired by chess. It is called The Duke. The Duke. The Duke. It is from Catalyst Game Labs. Um, And there is a little bit of backstory here. I'm sure I'm going to butcher it, but um, in the telling, to me, uh, it was created by at least one or two 
um, former chess champions, chess aficionados. Um, and the story that was that I received was that it um, that these two, or, or at least one of them, uh, had become so good at chess, had become so familiar with with the game that oftentimes he would sit down to play against his peers, um, other people of like skill, and they would start playing. And very early on, they would sort of see the strategies that were being employed and what was going on um, and just sort of resign themselves that they were going to be sitting at a table for the next few several hours <laughs> in what would result in, in a stalemate. Uh, and just because they were so good at it, they could see what was happening. So just um, to spice things up, to maybe provide some variety, they created this game. Uh, this game is called The Duke. And in it, there are um, you know pieces that uh, have very uh, you know rigid movement, set order and how they can move, just like in chess. And they are these nice little sort of wood tiles. Um, and the movement is actually on. It'll show you on the tile um, how the different pieces can move. So the way it starts is each side has a uh, a duke, their duke, which sort of serves as your king, um, and then two footmen. Uh, the footmen sort of are, you know, sort of serve as the pawns. Um, it is on a, a six by six um, square board, uh, gridded out, you know, it's much like chess but smaller. And so the footmen can move, you know, one block in front, behind to its left or the right. The duke can slide left to right, like a rook, but um, the, he can't move um, up and down and left and right. The thing about the duke, uh, the game, the duke, that is sort of very unique is that once you move your piece. Um, that tile flips over, and now that um, that piece can move different ways. Okay, so the footman now can move diagonally, and then like sort of two blocks ahead instead of just um, up, down, left, right. And the duke, if he slides left or right, now can only go up and down, not left and right. Um, <clears throat> the other little unique twist is is if instead of moving on your turn, you can actually go into your bag of reinforcements and you can randomly pull out a new troop. Um, and there are about, I think, 10 or 12 sort of different um, different pieces, priests and dragoons and pikemen and all different sort of medieval um, sort of themed characters, the oracle and rangers. Um, and they all have their unique movements. Um, and you can place them anywhere next to the duke, uh, sharing one of the duke's sides. Cool. Yeah. So that's basically it. Um, the the different moves that are out there is just a standard move, sort of left, right, up, down. Um, there are uh, jumps where if there are pieces next to you, you can actually jump over those pieces um, to an adjacent square on the other side of those pieces. The slide, which is sort of like we said, it sort of acted, acts like a rook. There is a strike where you can be sort of uh, blocks away. You could be squares away from a piece, but yet still capture them mm-hmm. if it indicates that uh, you're in the strike zone. There is uh, dread, which means that a piece is, if it is in your dread zone, you have to move that piece, even though um, it may not necessarily be captured on the next turn. There are jump slides and defense where (laughs) people can't um, attack anybody that's in the defense zone of that piece that are around them. And then there's a command where 
you can choose to um, use a piece to actually move another one of your pieces um, in a very set way. So, so this is really like uh, that rich coffee for the mind. Early, <laughs> I know early thing. It is. It's just the you know, the four shot americano yep. of, uh, <laughs> of board games. Of board games. I like it. So I, we're just gonna just start a little bit off here. We're not gonna play the full game, but um, just to kind of give a sense of of how it works and see how it goes. So I'll get going here. I'll just kind of move. Um, I'll move my footman up. And as I move him, I'll flip him over, and I have done my turn. I'm going to actually now reach into my bag of tricks here. I'm going to call in a reinforcement. So I'm sacrificing a turn here, but I'm going to get a new piece, and this piece is the marshal. Uh-oh. So the marshal... Who he's about to lock up. <laughs> the marshal can slide left to right as, oh. as an opening turn. He can also jump. Um, and he can Pretty jump far too. Yeah, he can jump two uh, two boxes di- or squares diagonal for himself and so two I'm, behind him. If I'm thinking right, you can pretty much slide here, mm-hmm. flip it over. And jump so if I moves. slide here and I flip the marshal over, oh, no, 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 okay, right. okay, he got he has a lot of moves. Okay, yeah. so the marshal ain't too much of a bad boy. No. <laughs> okay, so let me. I'm about to take uh, Tim's advice and let me go ahead. I oh, see. So you, yeah. you got your back. Yeah. Okay. Get my bag of tricks to see who I can uh, pick up. I just picked up the Oracle. Okay, the Oracle. I got the Oracle. Uh, so let me see. The Oracle look like it's. Let's. I'm gonna go right in front. I'm putting it right on top of the Duke. Okay. And the Oracle can go pretty much in diagonal in any direction right but one space okay um can i see what the other side look like yeah oh, absolutely okay. let's okay. see what the other side see if the arc was oh okay he just sits <laughs> <laughs> he just sits oh no that's what it looks like oh man the arc is kind of weak man you know what i mean it's more of a mind thing or something or what he's got to um it must i guess it has to be commanded so he has possibly. a summon is what it looks like there's more to this piece than we think i think Oh, I think we might have. He, this might be an enhanced piece. I see. Okay, because uh, so, you got a name like the Oracle. I know that might be like. A, I think we're gonna have to ask you to draw another one okay. because we're not playing with the enhanced abilities. Okay, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say because the Oracle, you know, with a name like that, you would you think, got you would think you know, something cool is happening. Like yeah, you reading through some minds, the, the Duchess. Okay. Okay. Let's see. So what is this a command piece or? Right. So okay. So the Duchess would start, I guess, over here. Mm-hmm. Um, right, and so that that's a command. So, so I can put the pawn to work if I want. Right, the footman then could be commanded to go, you know, here or here. So is this yep. like a jump space right here? So this, uh, no, that would just be the command. Um, okay. Yeah. So any any pieces touching the Duchess would then yeah be able to be commanded to move even okay. further different ways. Yeah, cool. and then when you flipped it over. Uh, it's pretty similar. Mm-hmm. I guess that she actually moves the same way. Yeah. So this is um, there are sort of the base set of pieces that that um, sort of introduce you to all the different you know styles of movement: the the move, the jump, the slide. And then there are different pieces um, like the oracle that we just pulled out. And I, there might even be some of these that are on the board right now that um, are are part of the enhanced abilities rule set, which. Just as you begin to get more familiar with how to play, you can kind of add on. It almost like comes with its own expansion to um, make it a little bit more challenging for you or just to add different um, little, little tricks. There's also um, terrain squares, like the mountain. You can kind of put them in and you can't, you have to move around the mountain. So it's yeah. like a, a border, a block. Yeah, exactly. Okay. 
Um, so it just allows you to sort of customize it um, in a way, especially as you get more familiar with how the game works. Now let's let me go ahead and get another piece. Yeah. Sometimes you got to be careful. I can see you don't want to block yourself in. Right. Okay, I got a wizard. Okay, the wizard look a little, he look a little solid. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a loaded movement board right there. He seems like he can do a lot of stuff. Okay, yeah, so especially flip him to. So this, if I flip him, that means he, he can, can jump, jump, he can jump all twice. All over, yeah, all over the board or just in two spaces. Just two spaces. Okay, yeah, two spaces anyway. Yeah. So if it was the endless arrow, that means that's as far as he okay. can go. I think it's just a matter of time, life, before... Uh, Close in. <laughs> I just got to figure out, this is actually a pretty interesting game. It it's is. It's pretty neat, yeah. So that's that's the Duke. I think, uh, I think I'm think i not long for the, this battle. <laughs> not long for this, because it forces you to... It's still the game of strategy, like chess. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think the, the, you know, the... The flip is what right. is going the to flip throw you gets off. You. Yeah. The flip gets you all the time. you got to know these pieces really yeah. well. Because you with chess, right. you, can, exactly. you can think through a strategy, but when somebody just kind of flip it on you, you're like, whoa, okay. <laughs> now you have to totally develop a whole other strategy. So this is actually a pretty cool game, and I can see why when we brought the kids here, they really like it. Yeah, I think it's, it's a fun kind of thing the first time you play it, just to sort of get to the experience of the different way the pieces move and kind of the fun of like finding picking out the different pieces but then yeah Justin's Justin's right that um, the big thing I think to really master it to really get good at it is you have to know the pieces backward and forward literally just like chess too you gotta (laughs) understand the pieces and what they all do in each situation and the way you have to think moves ahead is Mm -hmm. that okay well I move here but the flip side of that is going to allow me to do this, you know, one or two, you know, moves down the line. And what makes this interesting is oftentimes in chess, people usually see the king as a piece that you just sit back and protect. Yeah. Whereas in this piece, the king is like, I mean, if anything, I <laughs> I went to work with the king. Yeah, yeah, the king you did. Got absolutely. the most right. kills. Yeah. You know, so it the the duke, you know, it so it's it's interesting that from that perspective as well. Right. So. Uh, you know, it's obviously that this is the, a nod to chess. It's, it's it's sort of just a different little spin on that. And how were you introduced to chess, and how long has it been like a part of your life? Uh, when I was young, I would say about 12, 13, the same age that I'm um, grabbing a lot of these kids. And now right. um, it were the, there were always elders in the community that would say, sit down, we're going to teach you how to play chess. Right. And every time you would see them, you always try to run another way so you don't have to <laughs> sit down and, and play not knowing that, if anything, they were just kind of planting a seed inside of your mind. And in doing so, they were always just just kind of teach you how to see the world. Right. Growing up in New York, they would always say, okay, you got to look out for the police officers. You got to look out for this. You got to look out for that. And and they would use those analogies using a game of chess. So, hmm. um, of course, like many things you learn when you're young, you forget about it. You know, as soon as you watch a television, as soon as you went to school... But um, I think as I got older and I started to see other kids, when I started working with kids that were cycling through the juvenile system, I started to use a lot of those strategies. I remember all the things the elders used to say. And I started just teaching the kids how to play chess and showing them, like, okay, you got to learn how to strategize. you got to plan. you got to start looking at the world from this perspective, from that perspective. And I think that's what just kind of gave birth to the whole idea of not just to use the game of chess to become masters and grandmasters, but to use the game of chess as a life's lesson in helping some of these kids navigate through some of these uh, at-risk situations, through some of these uh, impoverished communities. Right. 
So, and you grew up in New York City, and then how did you make your way to Athens? Um, it's it was it's a long story. You know, it's a lot of people call it what the reverse migration, where mm-hmm. at one yeah. point uh, the, the 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 slaves were running north <laughs> to get away from the south, but with all the uh, financial issues going on, you know, if you if you don't really have the resources up north. Uh, it gets kind of ugly. It gets kind of grim. But I see now that a lot of people are pretty much trying to move south because there's land, it's yeah. energy, it's trees. There's a more southern, warm mentality. I came south um, in the 90s, uh, like mid to late 90s, um, still in high school and just and, and just started from Atlanta to Macon to Gordon College to Barnesville to... And I transferred to UGA as a student, and then from there, started. I stayed within this community and um, began, you know, just helping where right. I saw the help need was needed. Using the game of chess. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about that a little bit, but so the inspiration, sort of, for chess and community as a as an organization, as a group, came from this time, you know, learning how to play chess and, and the applicability in your life. But then, how did that really coalesce for you to make it into a? sort of community organization? I would say it, it started with, you know, as, I, as a student, I, would, I was an intern at the, you know, at, at the Department of Juvenile Justice. And a lot of the young guys that I would get were young guys that I saw a piece of myself inside of them, you know, as far as their impulsive moves. And so I said, okay, when I was that age, what inspired me? What kept me? What put me back on a path? to where I, without me preaching, because sometimes you could come and say, man, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. And they're like, I've heard it all before. Mm -hmm. So if I can do that with the game of chess, okay, let's play. Let me teach you how to play this game. Let me teach you how to think through certain situations. And then me getting a chance to travel, because like anything in social work, you burn out. When you got to constantly deal with, you know what I mean, people that are constantly cycling through so much different issues, you burn out. But getting the opportunity to travel, going to Israel, going to Zimbabwe, going to Africa, going to different places and bringing my chessboard and getting a chance to get whooped and give whippings whoopings <laughs> and, and looking at different strategies. And I saw that it was a way for me to engage with people that I didn't know. I didn't look like. We didn't even speak the same language. Right. But we could get on a chessboard and speak that unspoken language. And I think it was that that just kind of inspired me to say how do we use chess to really build community to merge community to bring communities together right. you know when we think of the racial issues that we're experiencing in the south in, in this country how can we use games that's why I love your concept of the games how do we use games as a way to do what words can't do with religious or political viewpoints can't do where we can sit down and even if we don't agree we can play a game of chess we can play a game you know and I think that's what kind of inspired the whole chess and community. It's one thing to learn a game of chess, and it's another good thing to utilize the game to impact and to inspire communities. Right. Yeah. I so think you talked a, yeah. a little bit about communities, all these different communities you visited. How do you decide uh, with chess and community where you're going to go next and, and who, who needs you and your, your people the most, your friends? I mean, it's if we talk about just locally or globally or everything. Well, okay. I know that you're. Com- we're going to talk about it in a second. Like uh, you're going on a big trip, really. Yeah, soon, I know. Okay, uh, so from yeah, a local perspective, it's more of you know we offer free programs at the library every Monday from four to five thirty, and we have anywhere from thirty to sixty kids come in just playing chess. We have the chess and pizza, the chess and ice cream. So 
um, we use it as a way to attract people. But then once they get on the board, this is an opportunity for that one-on-one mentorship. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes, still, I do a lot of work with the Department of Juvenile Justice, where sometimes they get a kid and say, okay, we need somebody to really work with this kid. Mm-hmm. And I try to find ways to get that kid out of his or her, or her world and bring them into a different world where they mm-hmm. can at least get a chance to merge and engage with white boys and mm-hmm. white girls and you know and Hispanics and or African Americans, you know, whatever the case is, to bring people outside of their boxes, you know, chess is about thinking outside of the box, and just kind of, you know, bring them to an environment that they're not used to going to. Yeah. And oftentimes that changed their perspective. Now, from a global perspective, I mean, there are people. I mean, people want chess and community in Cincinnati and. Savannah, people want it all over, but the reality is you got to first, you know, secure the resources, the funding, yeah. and critique the model before you really begin to spread it. There's only places. so many of you. Yes, yes. <laughs> and when you try to do it all with no funding, it gets a little, yeah, a little imagine, difficult, yeah. you know. It's like any adventure, right? Yeah. Um, so recently, just with, you know, the, your exposure and, the, and your outreach throughout the community, we, there was an event at uh, Clark Middle that we both had an opportunity to yes. attend, the... Um, the reading tailgate yes uh, and there was a lot of great things said about you and the influence that you've yeah. made on so many of the students there um, but one of the things I noticed is just that um, there were several speakers that got up um, and they were all fantastic but um, you have a particular knack for the spoken word yes yeah, it's, it's what I do you know? yeah, I'm, right. I'm a spoken word artist and, and and I think that's what helps that's what helps to make me successful with a lot of the kids because they're into the whole rap, and and I can see the language. I can understand the thought process. So when I come in, I can use that spoken word aspect to just kind of reach, dig deep inside right. of them, and help them to see it in a rhyme in a cool kind of way. Right. Yeah. So and it, so you use that poetry and rap, and then yes. so and this is all part of the same sort of model, yeah. right? You mm-hmm. like it's it's not just chess. This whole thing yeah. is so much more than just that. It's it's, a, it's chess, as I always say. Chess is just a hook. Right. You know that yeah. you use. It's just a vehicle that's used to enhance critical thinking, to get kids to be less impulsive, to get them to start thinking critically about what they want to do with their lives. But the other aspect of it is expression. Um, a lot of times, a lot of I, you know, just people in general don't know how to express themselves, right. and when you don't have the vocabulary to express then it usually tends to, if I'm frustrated and I don't have a path to release that frustration, then it usually comes out violent. It usually come out, I turn it inward. When you turn that anger inside, it becomes what? It becomes uh, depression. When you turn it outside, it becomes aggression. So try to find language, the spoken word, and give them scenarios that they can relate to, but then also teach them about using some type of outlet to release or to express or to open yourself. And once I successfully do that, chess becomes the tool to say, okay, now, now that you got outside of yourself and you start to see things a little different, now start strategizing and planning what you want to do with your life yeah. and just using the game of chess as that tool. That's great. That's so cool. This is, today is the first day that you and I actually formally met, but I had seen you 
actually share um, some of your work uh, on MLK Day, the work yes. of service. Yes, and I did the projects. Yeah, you did the projects, <laughs> and that it was so cool. It was it was so incredible. I was like, this guy got up here, and you were like, I'm going to share a few words. Yeah, and then it was like this entire like ten minute like captivating performance yeah. that yeah. you stood up there and you shared. You you more or less wore your heart on your sleeve, and you shared exactly how you were feeling. And I think you spoke to a lot of people in that room, which is really cool because um, everything you were talking about is such a, a, a hot button subject in Athens because we are an impoverished community. We, mm-hmm. you know, we have all these endeavors that are trying to, to work with people in the community to help people get out of uh, a loop, so yeah. to speak. You and know? But, but it's that, that lack of trust, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, and that's something that with the university and um, with the police department, these are things that we're really working together so that we can really find ways to break that. And how do we increase or improve the trust factor in this community mm-hmm. when you have, you know, generations and generations that don't see UGA as an asset, that you see UGA as something that just invades or comes to the community mm-hmm. and uses them and throw them away. And it's like, so then you come and say, oh, man, we want to come. We want to do something good. We want to do a project. They're like, no more projects, no more research. You know, yeah. when are we going to start implementing some of those researches that you've been collecting for the last hundred years in this community and why are we in so much poverty so when you're dealing with that kind of issue then we have to find ways to how do we integrate the community in a better way and even with the police and that that was at the MLK day it was a way to express that I wasn't always the person that was open Mm -hmm. and want to engage with police officers because I had a lot of negative experiences with police officers but to show how one experience where I found myself stranded on a highway it was a police officer that came and and helped you out. and helped yeah. me you know and, and in my mind I'm like I've been programmed to see the police officer a certain way and he's, he's like man look you can hold that mindset if you want if you need to go to the gas station I can take you there to get some gas for your car yeah. and it was like and it was a way to break that and I think those small experiences is what's important and this is why what you're doing here with the Rooks and Ponds with all these games, it allows people to come and experience yeah. something with somebody different. Yeah. Yeah. And and if we start the more we have that type of interaction, that type of socialization, that type of engagement, that's how we begin to at least open up the doors and the windows of our minds to receive and accept other people. Absolutely. I think that's you know, we talked about it, my my wife Carrie and I, why we opened the place and um that's one of the things we kept coming back to, especially now that we have two young boys, um, how games are just such a great, you know, uh, opportunity to get around the table, just like you're saying, to discuss and sort of on that family level. That's something that once we opened, we talked about how that carried over to say even something like a first date or something, you know, where it's a way that people can kind of come and have something else to talk about besides like, Oh, the weather, where are you from? Um, and so then, you know, as it carries over into what you're talking about with the community, I think, um, some of these opportunities, especially the Knights had a chance, right, to play yeah. uh, with local law enforcement, play yes. chess against each other, yes, right? Yes. And, and you've had some coordinated mm-hmm. events like that, which I think is just such a yeah. fantastic yeah, idea. That's an annual thing. It's called Justice Served. And it's, you know, with all that, <laughs> all the negative you see on television about police officers and African-American communities, this is a way to just kind of break that stereotype. So it's a, it's a way for the kids to whoop up on a police officer. <laughs> Every year they've been whooping up on them, but it's positive. Right. Both get a chance to see the other from a different lens, from different viewpoints. And I think something like that, that's what's extremely positive. And I like the idea of all, even the date night. When you was talking about mm-hmm. yeah. your, your date, I was like, man, this sounds like something I can, mm-hmm. it would have been really cool to bring my, you know, yeah, my right. girlfriend or my yeah, wife, absolutely. you know, and, you know, just just play it as, as, a, as a way to get to know each other on the first date, right. you know. 
So that is pretty cool. And I think more people should, if it's advertised that way, I think more people will come. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, what are we going to do on date night? We're go to movies. <laughs> we can go straight to the mall for two hours. Or you know, <laughs> we can play games we just together. play games. Yeah. Get to know each other. Let's laugh. Exactly. Let's see your personality. Let's see how you think. And this is, games have a way of doing that. And I think sometimes, you know, we get so rigid and so caught up in so much you know, negative that we see in the world that sometimes simple games, like yeah. simple concepts, it has a way of just kind of breaking those ice, breaking that yeah. stereotypes, bringing, breaking those issues. There's something very, you know, it's almost like ancient about it too. Yes. I mean, people have been doing this for, yeah. since the dawn of time. Mm-hmm. You and, know, sit, that's, yeah. and sit down and look in somebody's eyes and to laugh with a person mm-hmm. and to hold, hold your hands and to, you know, that's, we don't do that no more. Right. Everything mm-hmm. is, you know, people don't even communicate no more. Everything is so digital and, you know, video games. I come to some of these homes and these kids are in there all day just playing. It's like, yo, you need to get out the house. Now, you know. Do anything. Now, you know, why does he have so much energy? He's always been sitting there 10 hours playing this game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You need to run. You need to experience. Well, speaking of getting out of the house, like way out of the house, you guys are going way out. We are going to Kutaba, Ethiopia. Um, We started last year with our... Chesson Community partnered with Global Education Foundation, and the whole idea was we're going to bring our knights to Ethiopia, and they're going to be competing with in a chess tournament with a school. We got an MOU in place with a school in Ethiopia, and the kids going to come. They're going to compete with each other in chess first, but then they're going to pair with those kids for about two and a half weeks, and they're just going to work on the service learning projects from water to like soil and just working with these kids on building a sustainable like community center that these kids are you know that they're going to be building together so this experience is is it's a it's a, it's a life-changing opportunity it's yeah. a it's a it's a changing of world views i mean we they talk about a different calendar you know they have 13 months <laughs> yeah. they're still in the year 2009 you know and so for our kids to learn that it's like whoa right what so you mean tell me that yeah you back to the, you going back to the future back to the past <laughs> you, know, you know just trying to play those concepts what does it mean if a beautiful Ethiopian woman just come and kiss you on the cheek that don't mean she loves you that just means it's part of the culture what happens if a young man just grab your hands and walk with you that's just part of the culture right you know they're not really big into shorts and you know so the kids learning that whole process and you know what does it mean to walk over three mountains to go to school to go to a little hut. You know, whereas you got a bus coming in to your house to pick you up and you don't want to go, you know, yeah. in the morning. <laughs> so just allowing them to see how other people value the world and with the level of poverty, 38% poverty that we keep talking about in Athens, how do we really define and understand poverty? Mm-hmm. Right. When you're in a place where there is really no electricity, you know, now we're going to really see what the world looks like from the lens and the perspectives of others. And I think this is what we hope that experience to really to, just to change them all together it's going to be a 20 day trip um, two days there two days back and we're going to really just just, just get these it's going to I'm, I might come back a different person yeah as well, sure you know? absolutely but I got to be on guard yeah. you know like I'm I'm responsible for children you know in another country right, mm-hmm. right. so I mean it's a lot of responsibility and we've been just kind of we've been blessed we've gone around around uh we have a lot of you know private sponsors, donors, and people that really believe in the cause. And we've been going around just doing shows and raising up the capital. So we was able to do this without any major, any corporate 
sponsors, right? right. You know, it's just from the ground up. We raised the resources we needed. And um, June, June, early June, we heading up to Ethiopia. Right. Yeah, so the kids been meeting that men and went to the Ethiopian restaurant, yeah. learning about the Ethiopian <laughs> food, eating with their hands, the Jedis, and learning about the music. They've been meeting with Eritreans and Ethiopian students on campus and learning the language. So it's not a complete culture shock. Right. That's really neat. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's been an experience, and um, it's called collective hands. You know, and what, what happens when we have hands working together and building something. What happens with chess, the game, again, back to the game, becomes the only language that these two yeah. kids know how to speak. You know, but then they have to work together to build something. Right. And the only language they know how to speak is chess. <laughs> how many people are you bringing? It's going to be 15 of us, eight kids. Um, we're going to have a videographer to capture uh-huh. it all, a nurse. Yeah. You know, Just to make sure, to make right. sure everybody is, you know. <laughs> And then we're going to have, you know, other, you know, program directors to make sure that, you know, we keep the kids, you know, at least two kids, one for every two kids, you know, yeah. in case somebody decided, you know, it's not a good place to run, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. They get lost in, across yes. the sea. <laughs> I got to call somebody, a parent, say, well, uh, what's God decide to be silly, you know, yeah. now, so. But I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be a really good experience. And like I said, it's, it's. It's it's a different mind view. It's a different worldview. So many kids in these communities have never left this community. Right. And I think oftentimes when we get an opportunity to see that, you know, this is why we take them to D.C. for chess tournaments. We take them to Stone Mountain, chess and climbing. We take them kayaking. Yeah. We take them to different experiences, but we just add chess to it. Right. So that way, as we're there, we're going to play chess because I always got to talk to them about critical thinking, thinking what you're doing, but add those other elements of have fun. Experience something different. See the world from a different lens, from a different perspective, and then that's how. That's in my opinion helps kids to grow when we expose them to other things. Right. And before you guys leave, we're going to be doing. Yes. We'll have an event here. If you guys want to, if anybody out there wants to learn how to play chess, they've always wanted to know how to play. Mm-hmm. The Knights will be here on Thursday, yes. May twenty yes. fifth, teaching yes. chess. We will be teaching, and, and we're doing like, a percentage night, so we're, we'll be donating to the to the Ethiopia trip. Yeah, man, and I appreciate you for oh, that. Yeah. And I think the Knights are excited. They say yeah. they, they can't wait to come and teach because they they love it. Yeah. And you know, you, Oftentimes, when you put the kids in a position where they teach, it changes their outlook. Right. You know, because now you have to teach. And if you yeah. don't have patience, you have to be patient. <laughs> right. You know, right. when we go to nursing homes, we teach the elders how to play chess. It's like, that's the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Now you're learning patience, you know. <clears throat> exactly. That's it. I, I can't wait for that one. It's, that's one of our most probably asked questions. It's that, you know, can somebody teach me how to play chess? Yeah. Or like, I've always wanted to learn how to play chess. Yeah, well, um, this is a good opportunity. Yeah. We'll have plenty of kids, you know, to <laughs> yeah. teach you how to play chess. Exactly. And, and it, it's, I think it's going to be really cool. Yeah, perfect. So I think we're just about wrapped up. Yeah, absolutely. This has been a, a super awesome interview. Um, I think it's still, it's pretty fantastic that we're still lighthearted, but we can talk about such deep issues and things of that course. are still going on in our community. And, and what you're doing in the community is, is fantastic, you and the kids all together. It's awesome. And uh, can't wait to hear. I know you guys might not have the, uh, you know, might not be able to keep updated every day while you're out there, but the video, right, there's going to be a It's going to be a documentary. documentary. We're going to have a documentary. It's going to capture all of that so you get a chance to see it. But um, I'm going to send you the, uh, the link just yeah. so you can see. And we're, we're trying to work out the process, how we can update people, you know, use the whole social media thing, keep right. people engaged. So um, still learn new with all that, but we're going to make it work. 
And we'll put some, uh, we'll put links and, and websites and that kind of thing in our show notes. But if there's anything, if there's a way right now that people can still donate to the trip or... They can just go to the website, okay. uh, Chess and Community and backslash Ethiopia. One of the links, you'll see Ethiopia and it gives you a whole layout of the trip, what we're doing, where we're going, what we need. Um, you'll see the kids. So it's it's going to be pretty cool. And I'm going to send you a little video. We got the kids in Ethiopia saying, welcome, Classic City Nights. So, <laughs> so they showing them practicing. And That's we show cool. our pictures where we're practicing. We're like, you better be ready because we're coming. That's awesome. But to make it fun, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming in early on a Tuesday morning to play some games with us. And, yes, and, yes. And you got my mind chess. working. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mind working. So I'm ready. Well, speaking of... Uh, and keeping it lighthearted, as Justin said, <laughs> um, we are going to finish, as we now always do, okay. with uh, a quick round of Outburst. Okay. All right. So we kind of went through a couple topics. Um, I, I picked one, kind of kind of spring it on you. Um, I felt like this is a, a topic that sort of relates a little bit to chess because the topic is games kids play that you don't buy. Ah. Okay, so that's the topic. Ten games kids play that you don't buy. That who don't buy? That the kids don't buy? That the parents don't buy? That the parents don't buy, I think is mostly <laughs> what But you don't have one. to purchase, essentially. Um, it could be, right, exactly. Okay, okay a, games you play that you don't have to purchase. Yeah, you exactly. can say, I mean, we can go with Angry Birds. I mean, I mean it's, <laughs> so, we're talking about video games. I mean, you know, times has changed. Right, So, and again, remember, this is what's tricky about this copy of Outburst. It was, it's also like 20 years old. Okay. <laughs> okay. The good old so movie. I will say, Life. Looking through some of these things, there are a couple of those. Um, like, uh, like I was thinking more along the lines of like chess. That's just the ubiquitous kind of game. It just yeah, seems mm-hmm. like it's everywhere. I don't. Know, a lot of people don't necessarily remember where they. Oh, how, I don't really oh know okay. So you're saying games that you have, but you buy that you don't play. So that's one that can be like that. But okay. then there's also games that you don't need to buy. They're just games like, that kids play. That, like that Monopoly. Just, that that um, think more along the lines of like playground games. Like okay. things that you that kids just. Play, oh okay. Them, oh, right? f- freeze tag. Yeah. Tag, so wait before you get it, we got. Okay, okay. Yeah, I know we're excited, but um, all right. So I'm going to start the clock. Um, and and again, this is like some some of these are even more than 20 years old. But okay. all right. So all right, word away. You can go. Okay. Uh, freeze tag. Yeah, that's one. Tag. Uh, Skelly was a game that we used to play in New York. Uh, oh. Chess. Um, chess is not Monopoly. No. Uh, life. These are clue. More, these are more playground games. Oh, playground games. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's that thing with the monkey bars? Uh, we used to, uh, man, uh, soccer, uh, fo- baseball, football, mm. flag football. Uh, these are tough. <laughs> are they? <laughs> Good lord. Uh, okay, let's keep going. Um, uh, a bunch of chalk games. Chalk game? Okay, yeah, yeah. The uh, Skelly is not one. Let's see, you got to stand Let's up. Let's see, like hopscotch. Is that Hops- like? Oh yeah, hopscotch. Jump okay. rope, but then you got to buy the rope. Uh, jump rope. Uh, hide and go seek. Yep, there you go. Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> but you gotta understand. You gotta understand. You know, it it could be different from I know. different parts because well, I gave you, you know, we gave you hops. I think. Something along the lines of hopscotch, maybe. Okay. Is that all right? So they were Red Rover. What is Red uh, Rover? <laughs> <laughs> See, See yeah, it's like it's a cult. it might be a culture thing. Exactly. I have no idea what Red Rover is. Kick the can, which is I think that's like from 1932. I don't kick the can. Uh, what is kick I don't the even can. know what kick the can is. <laughs> it's, what about the thing where you just put in a, in a bag and you jump? What's that called? The oh, bag, yeah, like a sack race. Yeah, sack race. Yeah. We got leapfrog. 
Leapfrog, never played that. Uh, then there was, we had Tag, Red Light, Green Light. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we did yeah. that. Uh, Mother May I. I'm not uh, even sure how that works as a game. Simon Says. Simon Say, yeah. Okay. And House, like playing House. Playing House. Yeah. Okay. But Red Rover, you never played Red Rover? No. Oh, Red Rover is that? where you got a bunch of kids on either side and they all link arms and then you got to say Red Rover, Red Rover Sin. You Judy right over or something, and they have to run over and they have to break the link. <laughs> break the links. Okay, so yeah, like, we did. We did play that. I, I also probably called it something. <laughs> Clothesline or like yeah, yeah just, you just like that's the game we weren't allowed to play on the playground. Break somebody could get hurt. Break yeah. Neck. yeah, something like that. Well, you, you got three, and so we've we've done this three weeks now, and each contestant has gotten three. So yeah, okay. uh, yeah. everyone, it's a three way tie for first place. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So we still three. We still in three. So you, uh, DJ Mahogany, and and Nat. All, all tied with three. Three, so, yeah. 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 Um, so three might be that number. Well, <laughs> perfect life. Thank you so much. I appreciate uh, you. And we, again, we'll provide all the information in our show notes and then in when we um, sort of uh, in our promos and that kind of thing. And uh, we'll make sure that everyone has the links they need to find out all that you're doing with Chess and Community and to help support the trip to Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully we'll have you back on maybe later, late summer. We can kind of recap it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah love absolutely. We're going to see what happens. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thanks so you, much. Man. Yeah. And uh, thank right. you for listening to episode eight of the Rook and Palmcast. We yep. will see you next time. See you soon. Bye-bye. See you soon. All right. That's all. Thanks to Life. Justin, Nick Malice for our music, Scott Duvall and Joavia Films for the technical support, and all of you for listening. Again, if you like what you've heard, please head to iTunes and SoundCloud to rate and review, and we'll be back next week with more games and more Athens luminaries. All right, see you then.